You're a failure. And that's okay. Hi, I'm Dan. And I'm Alicia. And, and we're, we're failures, failures too. too. We take a walk back through people's failures and relive the mistakes they made so we all can have more clarity on how to be a better human. Hello and welcome to another uh, collegiate episode of the 2020 Perspective Live. Uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Dan Newman, and I'm joined by my other co-host, Alicia. Hey, Alicia. Hey, everyone. My name is Alicia Engel. I am the other co-host of the 2020 Perspective podcast, where we talk to people about their failures and how their perspective has changed from it or what they learned from their story. Now, I am super excited for the guest that we, I'm going to say she volunteered to be on this, but let's <laughs> call it for what it is. She, there may have been some uh, soft coercion of of, of, popping, of inviting her on, um, but I'm actually really, really excited for this conversation we're about to have, like super excited um, because she, the, the guest that we're going to be bringing on has such a fresh new perspective that we've never explored on the podcast before. Mm -hmm. Have we? I don't think we've ever had someone. No, we haven't. Yeah. This is a whole new domain for us. And as a, as a kind of warm up to our guest, um, I want to say that this individual, uh, and I have had the joy of working together for an entire semester as an intern in my company, Learn to Scale. And she has been killer so even before i bring her on stage she's been killing the game so i just want to put that down as a baseline assumption um but this individual she's currently a junior at brandeis university which is my uh alma mater as well and i i know that she's quite good at getting things done because she's been doing it all semester with me getting it done um uh, but she's not got it done every single point in her life and we're going to be asking our guest about some of her first failures as a professional, as, as her, her failure quinceanera um, to this world. Um, so without any further ado, it's my pleasure to introduce Margo to the 2020 Perspective. Hi, Margo. Hi, that was so nice. <laughs> well, I mean, it's you make it easy. You make it easy. <laughs> um, so Alicia is having technical difficulties, but that means you and I get to have, cool. we get to have some some one-on-one -on -one time here. Okay? <laughs> we never do, but. <laughs> so Margo, uh, as Alicia is going to be uh, tuning back in, um, tell me, who are you? What's your story? W why are you here? Sure. Um, so you already gave a wonderful introduction, but I... I'm a junior at Brandeis, uh, which is the wonderful school that both of us go to slash went to. Went um, to for me. Yes. <laughs> when, uh, and the reason that we were able to work together, um, I am your intern. You are my boss. So this I, isn't weird at all, I'm sure. No, it's, it's honestly really great. And I am studying anthropology and sociology at Brandeis. Um, I have a bunch of things outside of the classroom and, and uh, including this internship and just trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. I have no idea. <laughs> and I, I think like things like this just help me, um, figure that out, figure out the things that I love and enjoy and also not so much enjoy. Well, I think, you know, part of the reason that I thought this is such a great opportunity to talk to you um, as 
as a college student, but someone who's actually been in the professional sphere for at least a little bit here is that um, you are at a really unique perspective around failure and entering new chapters of your professional career. And you, you experienced some failures um, already. Um, yes. Well, the lead up is we're going to talk to Margo about some failures of her, her early career failures. Yes. And yeah. I am thrilled because uh, as someone who's been in, in the industry and in the job market for a little bit, I don't quite remember my exact first professional failure. I certainly have like the most memorable ones, but like the the first few ones feel mm -hmm. so far away and they're so fresh and bleeding for you, right, Margo? Oh, they're, they're right here. <laughs> <laughs> I pointed to my heart. I don't know if anyone who is not seeing this. <laughs> So point. why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of your first failures, you know, some of the things that you've been starting to experience moving into the professional world? Sure. Um, so I would say that before my first failure, I had not really, okay, this sounds kind of obvious, but I hadn't experienced failure before. Let me kind of re-explain that. Um, throughout <laughs> my childhood, I feel like I was really fortunate and lucky enough to have a lot of things happen for me. Um, I feel like I worked really hard in school and I would go after things that I was excited about and I would get them. I was a big theater kid as a kid and teenager and you know would get the roles that I wanted and um, would excel in my grades. Um, and then, so I didn't really know how to deal with failure or rejection, um, which sounds like a great thing, but became a really difficult thing uh, when I had my first like real, like devastating failure. Um, my, <laughs> devastating is so dramatic. Um, <laughs> When I was at first year at college and I applied for a job um, in my school's department of sexual prevention or sexual prevention team and crisis care team. Um, I applied for a position there and I was so excited about it. Um, it was a group of people who I really admire um, and I love the work that they were doing. Um, and I applied and I did not get it. And it was the first time that something that I was so passionate about, like didn't like, didn't work out. Um, and I did not handle it well. <laughs> I don't know if my mom is listening right now, uh, but the day that I found out, um, I like couldn't get out of bed. Um, and I, I just like was so devastated. Um, so clearly failure, did not sit well with me the first time that happened because I had no experience doing it beforehand before I was like 19 years old. I mean, I'm only 21, yeah. so let's not <laughs> go crazy. Um, but yeah, so since then, there's been some more failure along the way. Uh, but that was the first one that really like struck. Yeah, that is devastating because you don't up to that point, you really hadn't built that muscle of how to cope and how to deal with something that didn't necessarily go your way. So it's totally foreign, which probably hit even harder than if you had been exercising that muscle a little bit in, you know, right. earlier years. I totally can empathize with that. I've had lots of failures. Um, like I, I would say early in my career and we won't go there cause it's not about me, but um, <laughs> I, I remember, you know, that it does get easier as you have more of those. And I truly think it's because you're working that muscle. So the first one, I don't know if I remember the first one, but it like 
really hits you hard. It is yeah. devastating. It totally rocks your world. Mm -hmm. Do you remember kind of some of the thoughts that were running through your head when you either yeah. got the, the rejection email or the notice or someone like, what was the first kind of thoughts? Um, I took it super personally um, because I had never experienced the failure connected to something that I had done. I immediately connected it to who I was and mm. especially based in like the kind of work that I was doing, you know, the, or that I had applied for, it was all about, you know, empathizing with people, having conversations, listening, giving advice. Um, and then I was rejected from that. Um, so I think it was a combination of like not knowing what to feel when experiencing fear or rejection. Um, and also just like the work itself. I was like, this, I'm internalizing this completely. Like there's mm -hmm. something wrong with me. I am not like worthy of this. And I don't feel like um, I'm going to succeed in the professional world, professional world if I don't have, um, if like the first job that I like applied to, I didn't get, which wasn't true, but it was what I was feeling in the moment. And I just felt super embarrassed. Yeah. What was the first thing that you did after you, um, after you got that rejection? Um, like the first thing I did? Yeah. <laughs> was um, it an email or was it a call or how did you learn email. about it? Okay, it was an email. That? Bloodless. I know. So loveless. Yeah. <laughs> I crying. We love normalizing crying. Um, and I, I was at home. It was a spring break and I like yelled down. I was upstairs and I yelled down. I said, mom, I didn't get the job. And then I just like got into my bed. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's the first thing I did. Um, and then I sort of wouldn't talk to anyone. Um, mm -hmm. but then it got better and we can talk about how it got better. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about how it got better. All right. So you, you had a little sobbing, you screamed to the heavens. And then <laughs> after like that, like, I know when I have like a really re like tough rejection, it's like that crying that doesn't make any sound. It's just like, <sighs> kind of <thing. laughs> okay, so that's done. Then what happened? And feelings of like shame and everything too. Like you oh, said, yeah. you felt like you weren't worthy and there's like, you don't want to share with yeah. anyone. So there's some like feelings of shame that come with it too. Yeah. And so you're yeah. really like kind of cover hiding from, from all of that. Yeah. Especially just like, being so young, like there's this, um, not stereotype, but like this assumption when people, super young college students will just like, you know, get any opportunity they are, they're gonna like, they're excited about and they're just like conquering the world. And I wanted to do that. And then I wasn't like given that opportunity to do that. Yeah. Um, especially this pressure in college to just like have, or at the school that uh, I go to and that Dan went to, uh, there's definitely this like culture of let's everything. Um, but the next thing I did and sort of how I was able to get out of that, um, is I just like remind myself of the things that bring me happiness and bring me joy and the things that I'm confident about. Um, and I didn't, I started to see this rejection, not as a bad thing, but as a good thing, something and doing that reflection and thinking about, um, how this is my first rejection. This should be some celebrating. Know how to be able to handle it in the future. Um, and I also used it as motivation because mm. the next semester I 
I ended up applying for the job again. I applied for a different job in the same department, which was hard. It was hard to like, like take that embarrassment and like tell the, like the employer or the department that had rejected me and saying, I know that you didn't think I was good enough for this job or that you didn't think that this was right for me. And I'm going to try again. And I applied for a different position within it. Um, and I'm so grateful that I did that because I, I ended up getting that job um, a semester later. And this department has just exceeded all expectations. It is the wonderful community that I am so proud to be in. Um, and yeah, so I think it was tough and it takes a lot of like, it took a lot of courage to go back into the interview the second time with the same people and say, hi, I'm back. Um, right. <laughs> I would um, agree with that. Yeah, it takes some chutzpah. Seriously. Oh, yeah. Wait, I have, I have some questions. So you are, um, you're really practicing when you like kind of went back and applied for that job again, you were you were practicing resilience. You were telling yourself, I'm going to get through this, which you did. And you put yourself out there. You were vulnerable again, practicing courage and putting, you know, throwing your hat in the ring. So how did you, um, like, what ways do you practice resilience? What, what did you do? You know, you, you mentioned reflection. What are some other ways that you kind of got over that hump and said, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring again and expose myself to a potential Mm -hmm. additional rejection. Yeah, that that's real. Um, (laughs) I, I feel like I want to say that it was this like incredible self-reflection and it was this independent thinking and that like I became the super confident person and um, all of that. But it was honestly a lot of like, support from my friends and family. Um, Mm. It was, I think that support really helped me like remind myself that I still was like, I was still allowed to try again. Um, I knew like two people who worked there already and they said, you should try again. Like your name is like circulating in the office. Like they know who you are, like you should you should try again. And then I had a roommate who was really um, helpful in that as well. Um, and of course my family. So I, I want to like, I want to say that it was this grand thing, but it was really the support of other people around me um, to tell me to just submit that application again. And I'm so happy that I did because it has just brought me so many other opportunities. Um, yeah. yeah. And this changed me as a person. And I think, I wouldn't downplay the grandness of this because mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily like in the moment you did something really epic, like climbed a mountain, but you've been building a mountain of a community. Like yeah. you, yes. you, you build these relationships, they're built on trust. They're built on small yeah. little birthday cards and like notes to each other and conversations. And that network was there to catch you when you weren't feeling at your best. And that's, yes. that's nothing I, to sneeze at. I think that's something that, we might talk about today and talking about like alternative forms of happiness or of success. Um, and I think I find so much success in the relationships that I've built with my support network. Mm-hmm. Um, my relationship like, is success on of its own, you know, of my, my super close relationship with my mom and mm-hmm. my really loving relationship with my partner and with my friends. Like there's just so much success there. That's not in like, 
a job that I got or in um, like a grade that I received, but it's still success, uh, which we might talk about, but I'm getting ahead of myself. No, we can totally. I'm very into this. So something that's a common thread in a lot of our, um, our conversations that we have on the podcast, when we ask people, how did you get through this? Or what was one thing that really helped you shift your perspective from this failure? And nine times out of 10, people say their community, their support network, their, you know, coworkers, their family, friends, and that is huge. And you really, like you said, you can't put like a a monetary value on it or you can't really assess it um, objectively. Like I have 10 friends and so therefore I will be like... 8% 8% successful in this failure. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's not something, it's it's really truly an investment of your time and energy um, that you get back over, over the years from, you know, these people that you've built relationships with and connections with over time. Um, so I think that it's not that it's not grand. I think it's actually like a testament to your character, you know? Thank you, Alicia. Truly, yeah. <laughs> well, so you you'd mentioned something about alternative forms of happiness. Mm-hmm. You want to talk a little bit more about how you found that happiness and how oh. you have maybe changed your perspective around it? Sure. Yeah, I have come from an upbringing of like, I mean, we were talking about this of like just doing really well um, mm-hmm. in in like my in school and outside of school. Um, and I'm so lucky that that was something that that was my childhood. It was such like a, it brought so much confidence into my life, Mm -hmm. but it also brought a lot of pressure. And I have to say it was not pressure from my parents. It was not pressure from anyone. It was pressure from myself to be like the best that I could be ever. I don't know what was inside of me that like made me need to like get straight A's all the time and needed to be early to everything and, you know, needed to get the, just everything. Um, (laughs) so it's, it's very stressful sometimes to want to be perfect. Um, and I think that as I have started college and have been in this like environment, um, that has led to me forgetting about the things that just make me truly happy. So um, Dan and I were talking about this in a one-on-one meeting this past week um, about hobbies and how I was a hobby person when I was a kid. I would make paper dolls. I would, I was like a big crafter. Um, I loved to read. I was a huge reader. I had these hobbies that were just for me. And then once I started high school, you know, I loved doing theater, but it became a lot about, um, like, okay, this is going to be good for college applications. Um, and I got a job because I mean, I, wanted to make money, but I also, I you know knew that college is like that. Um, I got a leadership position in my choir. It started my, the things that I loved started to become like things that could like help me in my future. Um, mm-hmm. and then when we got to college, it like totally went away. So there was like this sudden shift where I wasn't doing anything. I, everything was fun, but I wasn't doing it for fun, if that makes sense. So like, I was in classes that I enjoyed, but I knew that being in classes would mean that um, 
being in classes mean that I would be able to get a job when I'm older. Um, the job that I applied for, which I got rejected from, and then I got it again, um, also looks great on a resume. And I, yeah. you know, I also work as an interviewer for the admissions department at Brandeis, which totally helps when thinking about working in the recruitment fields or higher education mm -hmm. or HR, which are all, um, fields that I'm interested in as why I'm interning with Dan um, <laughs> with his business involved in all of that. Um, so, and then the internship. So there are all these things that I've been at Brandeis College are things that I'm doing for a reason, but not yeah. because it's just fun and it's joyful. So, but it's, that doesn't mean that what I'm doing isn't fun. But anyway, um, I just, I'm starting to learn and starting to intentionally find that fun again to do things not for my resume, not just for success or for achievements. Because again, yeah. like, what are we defining as success? What are we defining as achievement? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, reading a book is something that I love to do. And if I can read a book, like that's successful. Or book for fun, that is. Book for right. fun, not right. just for book school. For Book yeah, book. books yeah. are no fun. Um, <laughs> I'm talking about the like books that you get at the library and then you know read on the beach or just read in, on the couch, um, just for fun. Like the ones that like just totally take you in. Um, you know, how can I incorporate that into my life and yeah. find success and happiness through that, not just like the tangible results that look good on paper. I think you bring up so many good points. I had to jot them down um, in my, the little notes over here because I thought of so many things. One is, you know, earlier when you were talking about your, you were sharing your failure and you were mentioning how, you know, starting from childhood, like you would try things and you got them. And, and maybe I wonder if maybe there were some things that you technically failed at that you didn't even recognize because you're in this world of play where like you try things and you take the risks and you don't even recognize that it's a failure because it's just like, okay, let me move in this direction. And you naturally pivot as a child. And we, we engage in hobbies and play because that helps us stimulate our creativity. And as adults, we think we're, it's like the Santa Claus effect. Like we know too much where we can't believe anymore. And so when you're engaging in like the little bit of spare time that you have outside of like your obligations and your priorities, it has to be intentional. And as adults, we have to think about how is this contributing to like the bigger picture of my life or my career? And we can't not think about that anymore. And we can't just like mindlessly engage in these like creative activities and hobbies just for the heck of it. Like we have to think about how does this play into like the bigger picture of life? That's one thought. I want to hear what y'all think about that. We're going to my next one. <laughs> Alicia, you're dropping some truth bombs here. Sorry. I'm just, I'm like, because I, I always think about like, you're saying these hobbies and like these things I'm always thinking about, like, oh, I would love to sit down and just like do some painting or writing for fun. But then I go back to like, I only have, you know, a couple hours on the weekend where I'm like, just, I'm going to do some like work or whatever. And it's like, I can't use this small bit of time. I have to use it productively. And so then I yeah. don't do the thing that might be exactly what I need to replenish my energy and re-engage me in the work that I actually have to do. 
and then you're just you're a dry well you know yeah I <laughs> <laughs> well, should feel like therapy what? for me what it feels like therapy for me I mean I'm like as an <laughs> entrepreneur that work-life balance is basically erased yeah. and so every day that I'm not succeeding is a failure and so it, it feels, yeah. it's very uh, exhausting to always be striving yet never succeeding, except mm -hmm. once in a while and losing mm -hmm. that sense of play and just straight up pleasure on being alive. Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, I'm trying to bring that play back into my life in a way, like while I'm still young and I don't have like these really huge pressures of like paying the bills or, you know, paying my mortgage or my rent or, you know, car payments, like the things that like become like actual real pressures. Um, like college is a really fun way, a fun time to still explore that play. I, I, what's something you were talking about, Alicia was when you're like, Oh, you had those failures as a kid. You just don't remember them. I, that's so true. And I think about like my relationship to sports as like totally that failure of like, I am not like I'm, I danced when I was a kid. I was a big dancer, mm -hmm. but I never like thrived in gym class. You know those people who like thrived in gym class. I don't know gym if that was stars. Yeah. yeah, either of you, but um, but was relatable. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> it was never something I. I was never part of a team sport or anything, and so I knew I just pivoted away from that because yeah. it didn't feel like this failure. It just felt like oh, that's just not what I want to do, yes. Um, yes. and. And that's really interesting. So I want to like think about that in my life right now of, is it like, was it, a, is what I'm dealing with a failure? Or is it just, oh, maybe I don't want to do that. Or maybe, um, mm -hmm. or is it that I do want to do that and I need to like look past that failure and, and try again. So speaking of sports, I actually am trying to like, learn all these new hobbies. So um, a friend of mine has is a really into kickball and really into like playing soccer and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I've been slowly trying to play more, which is like bringing back <laughs> those gym class horror. Um, but it is it's showing me that like, oh, if I do this enough, like I can get okay at it. I can kick a ball. Mm -hmm. um, and that's like, even in my adult life, like young adult life, um, like I can, I can see myself overcoming those failures that I had when I was a kid. Um, yeah. So that's super cool. Thanks for bringing that up. Alicia. <laughs> it makes me feel so good about myself. Yeah, I, I think so it, I, I really like the thread it, you know? around mm -hmm. professionalizing success and we need to deprofessionalize what success means. Yes. And for me, my, my background is in music and the arts. And mm -hmm. there's so much pressure that if you're going to hold an instrument in your hand, you better be good. Mm -hmm. And there's so much pressure that if you're a musician, you are a professional musician. There isn't a bring out an instrument, hanging out with friends. Like that vibe yeah. is really tough to capture. There's very small pockets of people that feel comfortable be like, I'm kind of okay at guitar and I'm going to bring it and we're going to kind of make music together and it's not going to be the best, but that's okay. Kind of like and bonfire, bonfire vibes. Yeah, straight up bonfire vibes. Uh -huh. And I got like my accordion right here and how many times do I break it out? It's like never because I feel the pressure that if I'm not really good at it, I don't want to embarrass myself. 
I don't want to be a failure at the yeah. accordion, even though I can like play some notes and stuff, but I don't want to be a failure. Yeah. You know, another point that, um, that I was thinking of that kind of, it kind of fits into this conversation of like trying things and failing and being okay with that and dabbling, you know, I, I don't know about you, but, um, I think at least for, for like Dan and I are, I don't want to say our generation, but, um, our group of folks. Okay. Well, there's this, this idea that life is supposed to be linear. There's this like societal expectation that it life should be linear. You go from first grade to second grade, second to third, you get through that. Then you go to college. Then once you get out of college, you get a job, then you get a job and you, you meet someone and then you get married and then you have kids. And then you get a permission. It's like, you know, what, who came up with these yeah. dummy rules? And I would love to know the person who, I mean, I grew up in the South, so I do know a couple of people that followed this linear path. <laughs> I can't say that they're super happy, but I'm saying that whoever made up this rule, regardless of who made it up and who's living by it, we, I think just naturally feel the pressure of having to live that linear life. And when we do something that's a little bit different then you know, and divert from this like straight and narrow path that we are looked at kind of funny or that we feel not worthy or, you know what I'm saying? Or there's like a pressure that we should, we're doing the wrong thing. And so I think when we fail at something or when we're not like, you know, the number one, like cello player in the room because we have like a cello in our bedroom like that we feel like we're doing something wrong that it's not okay mm. to just like dabble or be casual with this or to like quit a job or have like a failure you know a rejection letter from a job that we really wanted you know what i'm saying and it feels it feels like a little weird i think we have to be okay with the uncomfortableness of the non-linear path you know I don't know. What do y'all think? Throwing some bombs at y'all. I think that there's a lot of like, there is that pressure. And when you, you, you start out not having voice to go on that path because you are raised by your parents who went on that path, maybe. Um, and, you know, especially as a kid, it's like, this is how you raise your kid. You know, you put them in school, you put them, um, and activities so that they can find their identity and you know you kind of start out that path with them and then as like an individual person you're allowed to like go like like take those different paths but mm -hmm. me, i was i was doing well on that linear path so i was like oh clearly something's working so right. i should just continue with that and that is my like that is what success will be because i haven't found like Un, like not being successful with that. Mm -hmm. So that's when like, it just throws you a curve, a curveball. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, actually you might want to consider other things that might um, bring you more happiness uh, that you don't necessarily think it is not necessarily on that linear path, but it still can be just as successful, just as fun. Um, mm -hmm. And just give you just as much fulfillment in your life. Yeah. I think, you know, there's, I want to pull back to your original story about how you applied for the job, you got rejected, your soul was crushed, and then you slowly uncrumpled yourself and gave it another <laughs> shot. 
And I think I that <laughs> that activity of uncrumpling and laying yourself out again is one of the ways to kind of grapple with all of this is that, you know, we are always going to be crumpled by life. Life will always find a way to just say, you thought you were going down this chapter. Guess what? Back to the beginning. Um, but that tenacity, that resilience is something that always stays with you. It's like the stat changes to your, like to your character sheet is that, yeah, you may have failed, but you grew from it. You, you learned something and you, you built that, that emotional muscle to handle um, setbacks and failure. Yeah, it's been a lot easier to fail now. Uh, now that we've uh, gone through that first one, I actually just- Get ready for some more. Oh, well, I recently, I actually just had another one that uh, fits right <laughs> into this one. <laughs> um, I, it was the same, same department, same uh, office. Um, I applied for that promotion, you know, still going on this linear path saying I have the job. So now it's time to like level up apply for the promotion promotion yeah. I was so excited about thought I had it in the bag I've been working so hard um and I didn't get it and that happened about a month ago I think and I mean perfect for this podcast uh to talk about this like again this failure mm-hmm. um but I have to say it wasn't the devastation that the first one was, even though it was the same office, it was like the same people. Um, if anything, now it's like part of my brand at this office that <laughs> I just interview all the time for this, for these roles. But it's here. It's like a, I didn't crawl into bed and couldn't get out. It was, okay, let me do this reflection like quicker and let me think about, you know, why this might have happened and you know being so impressed by the other candidate who got the job um and seeing like their successes in that and and not seeing it as failure but for me but as just like okay this is just that didn't happen and that's okay um and there what can I do now with that time that I would have spent on what I thought was this like tangible success like on the path that I want to take now that time is not will not be used for that so what can i do instead to like bring myself happiness so the things that i was thinking about which fits right into our conversation is like making time to cook at my i'm moving into an apartment next week and uh will be for the for next year and i now have the time to make fun meals and enjoy that with my roommate or you know exercise and like actually find time to, you know, move my body in the ways that like are fun to me. Um, you know, that all requires time. And as a college student who has a million things to do, I never have time. So I'm you almost- won't ever have time. You no. never have time for everything you want to do. Dan, something Dan said to me, which was good is what I was saying. I have to find time or I need to find time to do X, Y, Z. He goes, you're never going to find it. So build it in truly like all the things that are important to you, you block off time and build Mm -hmm. that into your regular rhythm because, and protect it because you will not find that extra 30 minutes to go for a run or an hour to, to like do, you know, whatever it is you really truly. And I think that's, that's like something I wish that someone had told me when I was in college is you will only have less time from here on out. There will never be 
more time. <laughs> and so, no, I'm truly, I mean, not, not that it's bad, not that it's bad, but you have like, well, you'll have like a job and you'll have, you know, maybe more schooling or whatever. And so yeah. block off the time for the things that you really value and protect it. And I feel like I am now in this really unique position where I was sort of given back time that I thought I wasn't going to have by having this mm -hmm. job. So now like kind of the opposite happened where I was like, oh, or this job said we're not going to take you. So here, here's all this time that now you have. So now I get to prioritize it in the way that I want. And mm -hmm. instead of prioritizing it with, okay, let me get another internship. Let me, you know, apply for another promotion at a different job. I'm thinking, okay, I can be just as successful when I make time to cook, make time to exercise. Um, not, yeah, make that time. Um, because I've been afforded this, this extra time. So if anything, this failure is like this blessing in a way. And it, it showed me that I need to prioritize that play more um, and find success in that, even though it's not on the linear path. So I want to, I want to come in and say, I agree, but I want to, um, I want to change the focus on, on what you just said. You said it's a, it's actually a blessing. And I would disagree that it in and of itself, the, the fact you didn't get this new promotion, oh, yeah. it is neither a blessing nor a curse, but you, you chose to interpret it as a blessing. Like that is pro growth mindset move right there yeah. where you were like, I could be focused on the upsetness, the lack, the scarcity, the, I didn't get this job, but no, you're like, it's a blessing. I get to cook. I'm going to play some kickball. I'm going to like <laughs> move into my apartment and decorate it real, real sweet and stuff. Like <laughs> that, that mindset is like the resilience in action. That is yeah. literally the decrumpling that you did when you failed oh. the first time. You said, yeah. not going to focus on the failure. I'm going to focus on moving forward. Yeah. Oh, you make me sound so much like cooler than I am. I, it was a very gradual, that was a very gradual reflection. Um, like that, me like reinterpreting my failure wasn't immediate at all. I had that day of like feeling super bummed and being like, I deserve this job. Like, you know what, like what, what happened? Um, and, but it was almost like, instead of the theme, it was, I, I could sense like I had more confidence within myself because it was, like a little bit of frustration and being like, mm -hmm. why didn't I get that job? I deserved it. Instead of last time when I was like, I didn't deserve this. I'm the worst. You know, it, it already shifted. And then um, I was able to take that frustration and kind of settle it. And then that's when I did all the things that Dan said that I did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what? It's the 12 stages of grief. Like you ended up at the destination. Yeah. Like right. journey happened. You did the dance. You found acceptance, you move forward and yeah. you're, you're stronger because of it. Yeah. So let's just paint a picture. Let's, let's say that it's, um, you know, five years down the road. Okay. Five years okay. down the road, you've graduated. Let's say you've even gone back to get your master's. And so now you have a degree, an undergrad and a, a um, graduate degree under your belt, you know, and you walk into this dream job, you're in your dream city 
and your dream industry and you are applying for your dream job at this point in your career, right? Mm -hmm. And and you go through, let's say like there are five interviews for this role, you know, and you pass the phone screen and then the initial talk with the hiring manager and then the the you know next like person maybe the peer interview and then you give a presentation yeah and then it comes down to that final interview and they say we're gonna go with someone else alicia this feels oddly specific (laughs) well i'm just (laughs) i'm just trying to you know so how do you just painting a picture here okay just just framing it up so, so what I'm trying to explain is like, you're emotionally invested now, you know, this, you're picturing yourself in this town and like with this job and whatever, and like what tools in your toolbox right now can you use to get you through this future failure that you might, you know, mm-hmm. find yourself in? Well, first of all, I you said like, you have a degree in this and you're applying for this job because I would love to know what I want to do in five years um, and to like have that picture, part of that picture already painted, but I do not. Uh, so we'll keep you updated. Um, yes. But even Tab. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I always think of myself in the future as so much more put together as I probably will be. Um, you know, I think we all do that. We all like you see, like, you just, I, I think about myself at 26, uh, which is five years from now and being like, oh, I'm going to have my life completely together. What are you talking about? Like I'm already going to have my dream job, but that's not true. So, um, I, why can't I it be exactly true? That. Well, apparently I didn't, I didn't get the job I wanted. So <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think that <laughs> this is we're, this is we're bookending. We're thinking worst case and best case, upper bookend yeah. and lower bookend. So we're we're because this is a failure podcast. We're going for you know lower bookend, like worst case scenario. <laughs> <laughs> what I like yeah, to I do to prepare that. myself. <laughs> um. I think that in terms of my toolbox or toolkit um, and what I can, what I can take from my 21 year old self um, is knowing that there's never that one thing that's going to be so important that, like, that that's the end all be all, you know, like you're saying like, Oh, you're going to, apply for that dream job and you, you're, you're invested in it and you're passionate and then you don't get it. Like, yeah, it's going to be so difficult. And I think there's going to be that discomfort of thinking, oh, what did I do wrong? And, you know, am I like, who was this other person who got it? You know, what makes them better? Um, but to then think about, well, I didn't even know 20 years old that this was going to be the job that I want. Who knows what industry this is going to be in? Who knows? Like I have, I've seen so little of the world based on my age that I don't know what is out there. So the job that we're, this hypothetical job talking about could be something so different than what I know now, which means that at 26, there is so much more that I do not know. And that means that 
it's that failure isn't the worst failure that's going to happen in my life. And that like that one career or that job is not like the last thing I'm going to be doing. That would be a bad thing if like I was rejected from this job and it means that I have nowhere to go further. I, I I love this. No, you're projecting your future and projecting yourself in the future. It's this like a meta meta, you know, I like it, but, but I think that's, that truly is a growth mindset. You know, you're demonstrating growth mindset. You're thinking about, you know, like a bigger picture of what's happening to you at that moment and and like kind of thinking, well, if this isn't, if this isn't supposed to be my thing, my next gig, then like there is something else out there that I haven't discovered yet because five years ago, I didn't even know that this existed that where I'm in right now. And that's, and I think that's where hobbies come back in. Um, that like your hobbies can be your constant because you're not doing it for like growth. You're doing it just for fun. So me enjoying books isn't going to, isn't going to go away if I don't get accepted by a book, you know, and me enjoying like playing soccer, isn't going to go away. Cause there's, you know, going to, going to be a field somewhere or a park somewhere. So even if yeah. I'm failing, failing at this job that I don't get, and I'm like seeing myself, Oh, I project to the future and think so much about the future. I can stay present in the successes that I always have, that I always will have, which are the things that just bring me joy. And that's why hobbies are successful because they are the things that are going to ground you, that are going to always help you present in in yourself so that you're not just thinking about what can I do for my future? Well, one of the things you're doing for your future is the fact that you are on this Facebook Live and then podcast recording you've just created a time capsule for that future failure oh my so, gosh that's so that's <laughs> tearing up that's so sweet because <laughs> that message you just sent to your future self is just like hey girl you gonna be fine Let's just go kick a ball out in the field crack open a book maybe pour yourself a glass of rosé but like yeah you're gonna be okay and my 26 year old self is gonna listen to this and be like this like, I don't even know this optimistic B word. Come on. <laughs> um, so jaded at 26. I, I, I know off of health insurance for my like, oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have plenty of time um, for that. Yeah. The, there's plenty of time and plenty of failures waiting for you. But um, any other kind of pearls of wisdom that you would like to share with the audience? or your future self, which this is kind of becoming a time capsule to Margo. Oh, well, hmm. I would say that the feeling of staying present is the thing that you're never gonna feel like you ever do. So you might as well try. I don't know if that made sense, but I feel like I'm always yeah. looking into the future and thinking about the next thing I can do. When is my like life gonna start in when you know, once I graduate college? And I thought of that when I was like in high school, I thought, oh well, once I'm in college, like then my life will start because that's when like real life starts. But I have lived my life every single day of my life. So like when <laughs> life has started, like my life has started. Right. So, it's now. Yeah, it's now. Right. So just try your best to 
like, you know, I, my mom gave me this advice a few days ago of, you know, take the steps to towards your future. But while you're taking those steps, remind yourself where you are and the great things you have going on right now, because you'll never have those again. So be grateful for the place you're at and the relationships that you have. And that is enough. Even when you're like taking steps towards your future. Mm-hmm. I would say those are my wisdom to anyone who's starting college or about to graduate college or someone who's 65. <laughs> I mean, that applies yeah. to me. I, I appreciate that pearl. Oh, of course. Put it in my jar of pearls and say, that was a good one. That was a good pearl. Please. <laughs> Yeah, that was a good one. I think that's super important to try to stay in the present every day because we always are thinking so much about the future and tomorrow and the next thing and the next like chapter. And there's so much to be grateful for and so much joy you can get from living right here in the now. So thank you for that, Margo. That was a good reminder. Yeah. And this has been such fun to chat with you and Alicia on this podcast. And um, actually, this is a great time to, um, one, say Margo has been a fantastic intern with Learn to Scale, and she's been so good that I want more interns for the future. So if you know somebody who is uh, really quite qualified and self-reflective, that's great. I know there's some big shoes to fill here. Um, But I do want to um, celebrate some of the work that Margo has been doing with Learn to Scale, which is she has been interviewing HR professionals and beyond, really beyond yeah. HR, um, and writing blog posts about those conversations and the insights that she's drawing. And so, if you enjoyed this podcast episode, uh, you'll certainly dig her blog blog articles, and you can find that at bit.ly/slash margo dash musings that's an actual dash not actually write out dash but like margo musings um you can also find it on the learn to scale blog because that's where that link goes to um but she's done a great job interviewing people and finding some really cool insights and i can't wait to read the episode the one about the side hustles because i feel like that's oh, yeah. super germane to what we talked about today oh yeah oh yeah oh, super yeah. it connects <laughs> yeah can't wait to read that one anywho um Margo, it's been a pleasure having you on this episode of The 2020 Perspective. Thank you again. And um, I think you're going to be, you're going to be great. You're just going to be great. Thank you. It's always good to hear that. Thank you for having me on. Thanks to No BS Brass Band for the banging show music. Check them out at nobsbrass.com. And if you want to join any of our live shows, follow us on Facebook at The 2020 Perspective. That's 20 slash 20 Perspective. As always, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player so you can get the latest failures delivered right to your ears. And may your failures be spectacular.